We're talking about this thing where God has called us to certain things, to certain ways to live, to live for him, to speak for him. And yet there's times when that gets threatened in our lives, right? There's times when we're fearful, where there's times when things get hard, when things get difficult. And the challenge is, but God, I'm supposed to be victorious. I'm supposed to hold on and to, to never give up. And Paul is going to address that tonight. If you guys have your Bibles, let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And we're going to talk about that. When times get rough and there's an urge to give up. Whether it's in a marriage, because we're doing that marriage conference tomorrow and we had the thing last night. Whether it's in the job, you know that you're supposed to be doing what you're doing, but it's just got so hard. When it's just the regular Christian life, you're just like, God, I'm supposed to live by these morals and these standards, but how come all of my friends get to seemingly have so much fun partying and doing all this other stuff? And God is going, are you going to hold on? Are you going to stick it out? And I believe Paul gives us some stuff tonight that's going to just kind of help us to hold on and to, to just to hang in there because he's got something better for us. How many of you guys are interested in hearing this message tonight? Because I think this is all of us, yeah? And we're going to get some stuff from Scripture. You know what? I want to pray and make sure that our hearts are ready to receive it. Can we do that real quick? I know, oh, you're praying a lot. Well, guess what? I believe in prayer. So sorry. We're going to pray right now. Father God, I pray that you would just um, speak to us directly to whatever situations in life we're going through right now that are very hard, that are very difficult, that we've been having second thoughts about, either with our faith or in people or whatever. We're trying to do live life according to you and your plans, but God, it's hard or it's scary or it's hurtful, or if we don't know if we can continue on. Lord, I pray that you would specifically speak to each and every one of those circumstances in our life right now, right here tonight. You'd give us the boldness and the faith we need to carry on and to not give up on you and what you've called us to. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and let's pick up the pace. Again, Paul is writing a long letter, so don't think of it as, well, this chapter, that was different from this. What you're going to see is, he starts off this chapter by saying, therefore, meaning based on what we just talked about, here's what we know. So again, Paul's just writing one long letter. So remember what we talked about last week? Remember that we talked about the glory? Remember how we talked about pray the prayers that expect more glory in our lives now because the Holy Spirit is in us, like Isaac said, moving in us. It's bigger and better than shiny face Moses. Remember that? Remember we talked about that? That there was that there is, we have a God that's powerful in us that we could pray the audacious prayers that Joshua prayed. God, can you just make the sun stand still so I can beat this army over here? You guys remember that? I hope you've been praying. Anybody been attempting those kind of prayers this week? Be honest. Don't stick your hand up if you're like, yeah, look at me, I'm holy, and you haven't done it. But I want you guys to get into the habit. I'm going to remind you, repetition, right? I want you to begin to pray those crazy big prayers that only God is capable of doing in our lives, Right? We don't want to limit what God can do in our lives because we don't have the faith to expect in that stuff. I want you to start praying those kind of prayers. I've been praying in my own life things regarding this church. Like I told you, God, double this church. Do big things in our church that only you could possibly do. You know what it's, it's been driving me to? I, I live in a town home right now, and I've been looking for like a single family home. And so you know what I've been praying? God, give me a house that I can't afford because that's a miracle. If God gives me a deal on something that I couldn't have afforded, that I couldn't have had anything to do with, that's something that God likes to do. Amen? When you ask for a miracle, that's when you get miracles. When you don't ask for miracles, ah, they don't happen too much. So we might as well ask. And I'm not up here trying to promote uh, some type of a theology that says, everything you pray for, God's going to do. I'm just saying, God tells us to ask. Amen? 
God tells us to ask for the things that only he's capable of doing. So you pray for a marriage that you could never create on your own because you're not that good and your wife's not that good. You pray for God to do something in it where that marriage is amazing and incredible and you never had any even, you couldn't even imagine that, but you had faith to ask for something bigger. You guys get what I'm saying? You pray for that dream job that you thought you would never have because God is capable of giving you that dream job. So Paul is saying, therefore, based on all that we talked about, the awesome expectation of power that we have in our lives, the fact that we are called to reflect God's glory, we're nothing more than mirrors, that we get to reflect God's glory, and he's making us more and more like him from glory to glory every single day. We're getting better. Now he comes into to the next part of his letter, which is chapter 4, and he says, therefore, knowing all of that good stuff about God, since God in his mercy has given us this new way, remember the Old Testament law, but now the new way is Jesus, and we have a personal relationship, and we can call him Father. Remember, we can call him Daddy. You guys remember that, the different strokes thing I talked about last week? He's not Mr. Drummond anymore. He became Dad, and now God is not the faraway, distant creator of the universe. He's Papa. He's Abba, Father. Based on all of this good stuff that Paul says, based on that, he's given us this new way. What does it say right there? We never give up. Look in your Bible. Underline that. We never give up. Because of Jesus, we never give up. We don't have to give up. We reject all shameful deeds and underhanded methods. We don't try to trick anyone or distort the word of God. We tell the truth before God, and all who are honest know this. He's referring to false teachers that were going around stretching the truth, adding in their own two cents about what the word of God said, trying to make themselves look good. And he goes, no, 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 no. We just give Jesus in its purest form. The gospel message, this is it, take it or leave it. He says, if the good news we preach is hidden behind a veil, it's hidden only from people who are perishing. In other words, the people that choose not to believe in it. Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. You see, we don't go around preaching about ourselves. We preach that Jesus Christ is Lord. In one of those translations, it actually just says this. We preach Jesus Christ. We just preach Jesus. I love that. We preach that Jesus Christ is Lord, and we ourselves are your servants for Jesus' sake. See, he's basically saying this. Look, we know the truth. We know how good God is in our lives, and so we're just going to keep telling it. But it's a simple truth. Look at the notes. Look what I've titled this point, Simply Jesus, that Paul is saying, we're not going to sugarcoat Christianity. We're not going to trick people into thinking it's something that it isn't. We're not going to say, because this is what some people teach and some people sadly believe. Hey, when you become a Christian, all your troubles are going to go away. Hey, when you become a Christian, you know, God's got you. And so anything you pray about is going to happen, right? He, in, in some of us, we sugarcoat it and, and, and false teachers will say this kind of stuff and say, you know what, all this stuff is so good about God, but you know what, you can mix it with your other views of God, and some of the other religions are kind of good too. You know, pick and choose what you like about it and make it your own. And some people, like, say, here's the Bible, and it says this, but you can interpret it however you want. Whatever your own personal idea of Jesus is, that's good. And Paul is saying, we're not going to do that, ladies and gentlemen. We're not going to be about that. We're going to take the Bible at face value. We're going to believe in Jesus and his message alone. We're not going to put any slants on it and try to make it into something that it's not. We're going to tell the honest truth, and we're going to live by the honest truth. Amen? 
Because don't you guys all want to be playing on the same level playing field that this book is our standard, this is the guidelines, and there's, there's some good stuff about Christianity, definitely, but Jesus never promised that it was going to be easy. He promised that life's going to be hard, but you know what you got now? You got me walking through all the hard parts of life with you now. Amen? That he never said everything is going to go away, so we're not going to lie about that stuff. Christianity is hard, otherwise everyone would do it right away. It's hard, but you understand that the rewards far outweigh anything that would make it difficult. Amen? You guys with me here tonight? So this is what Paul is saying. He goes, we're not going to sugarcoat the gospel. We're going to give the the gospel as it is. We won't water it down. We're not going to dress it up. We're not going to misinterpret it. We're not going to preach about ourselves. Like, look at me. I'm the messenger of God. I'm awesome. Nope. It's about the message, not the messenger. It's all about Jesus. We're going to give them simply Jesus. Here's here's an interesting story that um, goes along with this that I heard this week. My wife forever has been asking for a dog, right, in our house. And I'm, I know, aw, everyone feels bad. Oh, Carl, just get her a dog. But in my head, I'm Mr., like, the man, the logical, the practical, right? And so I'm thinking, I'm weighing, like, the stuff. I'm, like, thinking dog is cute, dog is cuddly, dog is man's best friend. That's great. But you know what I'm thinking? Poop in the yard, fleas, hair, allergies, you know, like, you got to walk it. I'm thinking of all, like, the, the practical stuff. Yeah, it's good. And all. So we're weighing the, the pros and cons, and she's going, I really want a dog. So she's actually starting to wear me down a little bit. Like, I shouldn't have said that out loud, but I'm kind of like, well, let's talk about it, right? And so she instantly goes out to check out a, a possible dog that she might want to adopt, right? She instantly, like, I literally come out of the church. She's in the parking lot basically scoping a new dog. I'm like, wait, I thought we said we'd talk about it. But she's checking out this little, what kind of breed is he? Where's Lisa? Australian Silky Terrier, right? And it's, it's Lisa's and Tori's dog, and uh, she's trying to take it and see if she wants it or whatever, right? And I'm just going, well, what's going on over here? Well, here's the thing. She's checking out this dog, and it's all cute and all this stuff. But the thing that Lisa makes very clear is she's honest right up front. Yeah, here's Bubba. He's like this little guy, and here he is. He's cute. He's lovable. You'll love him. But she's real honest. She goes, he's a turd. That was, that was her words, right? He's a turd. You know, he, he's, he's a good dog. You love him, but he'll make you think twice about owning a dog. And I'm like, ooh, I like to hear that, right? <laughs> he, every time my husband will bring in his gym bag, he'll pee on, his, on, on Tori's gym bag, no matter what. And if my son, Ryan, doesn't keep the room to his door, the door to his room shut, he'll poop in Ryan's room. He doesn't like Ryan. He just poops all over Ryan's room, only Ryan's room. And I'm like, whoa, what? And then, so she's telling, and his, his scream is like ear piercing. It made her daughter deaf for a few minutes or something, right? Literally, like the dog's nail got caught on a blanket and screamed in her ear. And she's like, Mom, I can't hear out of my ear. I'm deaf, right? So all of this stuff. Here's this cute little lovable dog, and my wife's thinking of adopting the dog. But Lisa is real honest and upfront. You know, the dog is, she, oh, is he potty trained? Kinda, <laughs> right? He screams, and he like, sets off car alarms. He's just got, he's, he's got all of his bad stuff. But I thought, that's so funny because here's Kanani trying to get the dog, but at least Lisa was honest enough in saying, yeah, he's great, he's cuddly, he's cute, he's a, you're going to love him, but there's some hard stuff that you need to know about him. And I think this is like good for us when we live the gospel and we share the gospel, that let's not fake the gospel. Let's not make it something that it's not. There's the very hardcore truth about Jesus Christ that is the good a billion times over outweighs the bad. But let's not trick people into knowing Jesus. Amen? 
let's not trick people into the Christianity and the our church is awesome and all of this. If we're not preaching simply Jesus and that you need to have a personal relationship with him, let's be careful on how we present the gospel and how we ourselves live the gospel. Like I talked about last week, let's not get caught up in the whole religion and the Christianity, but let's remember to go to the foot of the cross every day to give our worries and cares to Jesus, the one that saved us, the one that loves us, the one that is the King of kings, the one that is the Lord of lords. Let's make sure that we present a simple, clear message. Jesus is the answer to all of life's problems. Amen? All right. So this is what he's, he's saying here is keep it simple. Why? Because the world has this veil on them that the devil doesn't want them to know about Jesus. So the simpler that we keep it, the easier it is for our friends and our family to understand about this that it all comes down to Jesus. The man that went to the cross, he's the boss, right? That's plain and simple. All we are is servants, that we're here to serve him. We just work for him. It's not about the messenger, it's about the, the message. I heard a story from Pastor Scott this week, how he was talking to someone, an older man, and he was asking him, so how did you come to church? How did you come to know Jesus? And he goes, to be honest with you, of all people that led me to finding salvation in Jesus Christ was a little girl. And he goes, really? He goes, yeah. My granddaughter was going to church, and she kept telling me about Jesus all the time. This little girl, little innocent girl, kept telling me about how good God is and what her church believes in and all of this kind of stuff. And it was a little girl that brought a stubborn old man to finding salvation and eternal life through a little girl. And I think that's so cool because you know what that tells me? It's all about the message and the person of Jesus Christ and not about the messenger. It can be a little girl that brings someone to salvation. That's cool. And so Paul is saying, simply Jesus. We just preach, Jesus Christ is Lord, and we're all servants. Nothing more, nothing less. That's all you need. Amen? Are you guys awake tonight? You sound a little quiet. I know you're listening, and I hope that it's sinking in. Let's go into the next set of verses here. Look at what it says in your notes. It's not my glory. A reminder, Paul says, For God who said, let there be light in the darkness, has made this light shine in our hearts so we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. We now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. Paul is making a point to say, we've got something amazing in us. We've got light in the darkness. We've got the power of God in us, but we still look like fragile little clay jars. We still like, look like these weak little human beings. And he says, that's a good thing. Don't think too highly of yourselves. Just be who you are. Realize that it's God's power in you, a fragile clay jar that gives glory to him. Because when people look at you and they go, how could you possibly have so much joy? How could you be serving in your church? You don't have the right to be on that prayer team. You don't have the right to be playing worship. I know you. And you just go, you know what? Glory to God because I'm me, but look at what God is doing inside of me. I'm just a, a fragile clay jar, but I've got this unlimited power inside of me through God's Holy Spirit. And I love that he, he makes that perfectly clear, that glory is for him. In verse 8, he says, and this is a song we sing. You guys ever sang that song? Um, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes. Like, you guys know that one? Like, right here is where it gets into the, we're oppressed but not crushed, persecuted, not abandoned. Right? You guys remember that one? This is the verse right here. He says, we're pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, that means despaired, but we're not driven to despair. We're hunted down, but we're never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we get up again, right? We are, dis we are not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus 
so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Yes, we live under constant danger of death. Him and the apostles at that time, they were always persecuting them. They were always trying to kill them. He says, yeah, we live in constant danger of death because we serve Jesus, but it's so that the life of Jesus will be evident in our dying bodies. So we live in the face of death, but this has resulted in what? In eternal life for you. Because we are weak, but we keep holding on because of God's power in us, it allows our message to be that much clearer when you look at us and you go, that's not possible. You keep getting knocked down, but something in you brings you back up again. How do I get what you have? It's resulted in eternal life in others. But we continue to preach because we have the same kind of faith the psalmist had when he said, I believed in God, and so I spoke. We know that God who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus and present us to himself together with you. All of this is for your benefit. And as God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be great thanksgiving and God will receive more and more glory. He's talking about endurance right here. I'm going to give you three things to write down about endurance right now. If you got your notes, three things about endurance. Three things about you holding on and not giving in. Three things that you holding on to what God has called you to are going to result in in people's lives. Here's the first one. Our endurance brings glory to God. Number one, first and foremost, our endurance brings glory to God. The strength of God is seen in us, weak little jars of clay, weak vessels. Us lowly humans that have bad habits that are trying our best to live for God and we stumble and fall sometimes. And sometimes we feel beat up and we get knocked down, but we get right back up there. Our endurance in getting back up and keeping, chasing after God and everything that he's called us to brings glory to him because people look at us and they just think, how is that possible? But you know what, what you do is you just point directly at this is only possible because he's in me. And so it gives glory to God in heaven. Our endurance brings glory to God. People should see how amazing God is in us, not how amazing we look, right? But it's God in us. Anybody that ever was into maybe when you were younger um, racing your cars on the streets? Anybody kind of like you like fast cars? Come on, guys, let's be honest. We like to have fast cars, right? And you look at these fast cars and you look at the races and you look at anybody at least watched Fast and Furious? Come on, just, I mean, right? Just for that alone. Okay, you've seen it. You may have not actually done it. But there's what they call a sleeper car. You know that term sleeper car is? A sleeper car is basically a car that looks like it's falling apart. It looks like there's, it's got nothing. It looks like it would lose. It may be like kind of like rusted out or not have the nicest paint job or have dents or whatever. And guys pur purposely make their cars look like that, right? The reason is they want them to look slow so then when they go challenge someone to a race, and especially if there's like betting or money or bragging rights or something involved, they want to pre present it like, oh, I got nothing, right? So people look at them and they go, yeah, I'll race you. I'm going to end up with your money or whatever. And I'm going to smoke you. I'm going to beat you, right? And so you take your little sleeper car, but hiding under the hood is like the engine of all engines, right? And you got nitrous and you got everything going on under there. And so a lot of times what happens is these guys with the sleeper cars will roll up and the other guys with all the, the lights and the neon and the whatever come and they want to race. Oh, you want to race me? Oh, okay, this is going to be an easy one. And what happens is the sleeper car's got the hidden power, the hidden engine, and it just works everybody and takes everybody's money, right? And this is kind of what God is saying we're like. We look like nothing, but we got the Holy Spirit inside of us. We may look like fragile little human beings that make mistakes and people know our past and even our present, 
but we got the power of the Holy Spirit in us. And so when we come on the scene and we do stuff in the name of Jesus Christ, people take notice. And that what happens when they take notice is, how is that possible for you to be doing that? Hey, there's only one source. That's Jesus Christ, right? The simple message of Jesus, our endurance brings glory to God when people see us. So that's the first thing about endurance. Here's the second thing about endurance. Our endurance brings life to others. When we go through hard times, our faith is really given a chance to be put on display. Our endurance brings life to others. He says, we, when we are going through all of this stuff, it's for, it's for your salvation. It's resulted in eternal life for you. You, other people benefit when you go through hard times. That's hard to understand, but when you hold on to God through those hard times, you become what Paul talks about last week, is you are living letters, living proof of what Christ has done in your lives. And so other people are blessed, and it brings, it brings eternal salvation. It blesses others. You're bringing life to other people. Here's what I know. We're all in this room because someone else held on to their faith. Would you guys agree? Think about it in your life. How you became a Christian through other people sharing with you and doing stuff with you. Somewhere along the way in those people's life, if they had given up on God, you wouldn't be sitting where you're at today. Would you guys agree? Does that make sense? God moves through his people to reach the other people. And if somewhere along the line, my dad moved to Hawaii in 1983 and brought us along, his kids and family, to start Hope Chapel and all the Hope Chapels that have come out of that. But did you know that when we first moved to Hawaii and we thought we had a building to meet in with church and everything, it fell through, and for the first few weeks of this church, basically we had no building, so we met at Kailua Beach Park underneath a tree, and we had to have services that looked like a picnic because if the cops came by, they said no church services allowed, so we had to fake it and pretend we were having a picnic, right? So we brought all the coolers, we brought the fishing poles, the body boards, and my dad would just kind of sit up there and, and like hold something like a frisbee or something like, I don't know, and kind of preach the message, right? But imagine if he said, oh my gosh, God, our building fell through. This is ridiculous. We got nowhere to meet. I cancel. I give up. God, I thought this was going to be good. You're making this too hard. I, I don't want to be a pastor anymore. There would be no more Hope Chapels in Hawaii. We might not be Christians here today. All of the people's lives that have been touched through the ongoing ministry of Hope Chapel, all the churches that have been started, what if my dad gave up? You guys see where I'm going with this? You're holding on is going to bring life to other people. There's going to be people in heaven that are there simply because you held on to God in a difficult time. It's not just your life that's at stake. There's other people's lives that are at stake here. What if the same thing, somewhere along the line, Pastor Wayne Cordero of New Hope was he in Hilo, and he's decided, you know what, life is hard, something's going to happen. Um, you know what, God, you called me to this, my season's over, I'm going to quit serving you. What about, it think, just, we're just thinking in local terms in Hawaii here, all the ministry that New Hope has done and has been part of the body of Christ, all of those people might not be around, those churches not started, if Wayne gave up somewhere along the line. You guys see what, what I'm talking about here? I think back to, I just got to meet at a pastor's meeting this week, Past, Pastor Waxer Tipton. You guys know who that is, One Love Ministries? He's a great brother. I watch him on TV sometimes. They're doing a great ministry, One Love Ministries. I got to meet him. But I heard there was a couple times in his life recently where he went through some rough stuff like we all go through. But you know what? He's still there. He still found faith in his God. But what if in one of those rough times, Pastor Waxer said, it's too much, God, I don't want to do it anymore. What would have happened to all of those people and the ministries, those lives that he was able to touch? You guys see what I'm trying to, the point I'm trying to drive home here is what if you gave up 
in a hard situation and you said, God, I, I throw in the towel. I don't want to risk this anymore. It's just too hard. How many lives of people are out there, potentially that are still out there, that are going to find Jesus someday simply because of your, I guess, your endurance and your example of holding on? And so Paul is saying, we hold on because we know it affects other people. Your endurance, my endurance, can bring life to other people. And I'm not just talking on a ministry level. I'm talking, what if you're just simply a housewife here? And you think like, you know what? I'm trying to be a Christian, trying to love my kids, trying to raise them right, trying to be a good wife, trying to be a good PTA mom and a soccer mom and all this stuff. And God, it's kind of too hard. I want to give up. I'm tired of this. I want to walk away. Well, what about all the other housewives that are friends with you that are watching you and your godliness and the way that you manage your family? This isn't even about preaching, guys. This is simply about I'm going to keep doing what I'm called to do. How many lives are out there that are watching you and they're better housewives because of it? Or they're better workers because you're the godly employee and that they might find Jesus simply by watching your life. This is very heavy and I hope that we take it seriously because it helps influence us to never give in, to never give up. Amen? And so here's the third thing about endurance, I believe. Not only does it bring glory to God, that it brings life to others, our endurance does something in us. Write that down. Our endurance does something in us. I believe our faith grows as we hold tighter and we get bolder. Here's, here's a good example of, of, of a, an Old Testament character. Jeremiah, the prophet. Jeremiah, the prophet, was called to prophesy to the city of Jerusalem, to the southern kingdom of Israel, called Judah, for 41 years of his life. God said, hey, you used to be a priest. I'm now calling you to be a prophet to my people. I'm going to give you words to say for 40 years and you're going to be speaking of warning the people to turn back to me. If they don't, destruction and discipline is going to come. He wasn't a real popular guy. Because what he walked around saying all the time was, repent, you know, turn back to God, or he's going to burn your city to the ground. He's going to work you. He's going to give up on you. And he wasn't a popular guy. It was a hard message to preach. In the beginning, when God called Jeremiah, hey, I want you to speak for me. Here's what Jeremiah said in Jeremiah 1, verses 4 to 9. The Lord gave me this message. I knew you before I formed you in my mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. O sovereign Lord, I said, I can't speak for you. I'm too young. In other words, he's ready to give up. I'm not going to speak for you. I'm too young. The Lord replied, don't say I'm too young, for you must go wherever I send you and say whatever I tell you. And don't be afraid of the people, for I will be with you and will protect you. I, the Lord, have spoken. Then the Lord reached out, touched my mouth, and said, look, I have put my words in your mouth. In the beginning, Jeremiah's going, I'm not going to do it. I'm too young. I can't do this thing. I give up. And God said, no, you got to do this. So as he held on and said, okay, I'm going to endure. I'm going to do what God told me to do. Look later, years down the road now, at Jeremiah chapter 20, verse 7. Look at as a result of Jeremiah holding on. Look what happened. Oh, Lord, you misled me, and I allowed myself to be misled. You are stronger than I am, and you overpowered me. Now I am mocked every day. Everyone laughs at me. When I speak, the words burst out, violence and destruction, I shout. So these messages from the Lord have made me a household joke. He goes, this is so hard, God, I've been doing it, but everyone laughs at me, I'm a joke around town. But then look at the next words out of Jeremiah's mouth, because this is what I'm talking about. Enduring with God does something in you. Look at the next words, verse 9. But if I say that I'll never mention the Lord or speak in his name, his word burns in my heart like a fire. It's like a fire in my bones. I'm worn out trying to hold it in. I can't do it. I've heard the many rumors about me. They call me the man who lives in terror. 
They threaten. If you say anything, we'll report it. Even my old friends are watching me, waiting for a fatal slip. He will trap himself, they say, and then we will get our revenge on him. But the Lord stands beside me like a great warrior. See, here's the confidence it builds when you hold on to God. The Lord stands beside me like a great warrior. Before him, my persecutors will stumble. They cannot defeat me. They will fail and be thoroughly humiliated. They will dishonor. Their dishonor will never be forgotten. O Lord of heaven's armies, you test those who are righteous. You examine the deepest thoughts and secrets. Let me see your vengeance against them, for I have committed my cause to you. Sing to the Lord. Praise the Lord. For though I was poor and needy, he rescued me from my oppressors. See, Jeremiah got to the point where he held on, and what it built in him was this confidence that says, you know what? I've seen God come through to me. He's going to rescue me. I've committed my cause to the Lord. There's something that our endurance does, not just to bring glory to God, not just to bring life to others, but when you hold on, church family members who are sitting here right now saying, I got to hold on in my marriage. It's super hard. I got to hold on in my job situation. It's really hard. My relationship with this other person, I don't know if I want to keep doing it. All my friends want to go party and I'm so tempted and I've got to hold on and not give in to the temptation. When you hold on, God is doing something in you and he's building a confidence in you that you're going to get to the point where you realize you can't let go. Where Jeremiah said, if I say that I'll withhold the, the things that God's telling me to say, I can't do it. It's like a fire in my bones. I got to let it out. I got to hold on to my God because my God is good. My God stands beside me like a mighty warrior. I got this thing. I cannot let go. When we hold on and we endure with God, God's going to start building a confidence in us and a faith and a fire that's never going to go out. You guys believe that? Test it. Try it. Hold on and watch what God's going to do in you. And then look at verse 16. Never give up. That is why he says we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. That's awesome. He goes, yeah, it hurts. Yeah, in the physical, it looks like we're getting worked. But in the spiritual, our bodies are being renewed every day. Our spirits are being renewed. For our present troubles are small and won't last long. That's a hard thing to say. Anybody been in a hard situation and for you to say, oh, this is minor, it's not going to last too long, that's a hard thing to say. But did you know it was really hard for Paul to say? Because Paul had been through some heavier stuff than you and I will ever have to go through. He says, our present troubles are small and won't last long. They produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. Basically, Paul is saying, you know, things get hard, but they're going to be short and they're temporary, and we're looking to something better. And you read that and you go, that's easy for Paul to say, but he doesn't know what's going on in my life. But do you remember that Paul said in 2 Corinthians 8 how he talked about a time when he had to deal with people and he said, we didn't think that we could endure it anymore. We didn't think that we were going to make it through this alive. Here's, here's a little something about Paul to remind us what he's talking about when we go, yeah, Paul can say that, but he doesn't know what I'm going through. Look at Acts chapter 14. Here's an instance of one of the things that happened to Paul. In Acts chapter 14, verse 19, it says, Then some Jews arrived from Antioch and Iconium, and they won the crowds to their side. They stoned Paul and dragged him out of town, thinking he was dead. Okay? Anybody ever been left for dead? Anybody had rocks thrown at you until you were almost killed? Anybody in the room? See, this is what Paul is writing of in the context of saying, yeah, life gets hard, but it's only for a short time and you're going to get through it and there's a far greater glory on the other side. This helps us to remember that Paul actually went through some hard stuff in his life. He literally was stoned 
dragged out of the city, and they thought he was dead. That means he must have not been showing any signs of life. He was in bad shape. But let's read about what happened to Paul next. Look at the next verse, verse 20. But as the believers gathered around him, Paul got up and went back into town. That's crazy, right? Someone just threw rocks at him until they thought he was dead, dragged his lifeless body out of town, and Paul gets right back up, and he just, wow, I can tell where I'm not wanted, right? But he walks right back into town. It's like, what? Paul walks right back into town. The next day, he left with with Barnabas. What Paul is saying is, yeah, you're going to get beat up sometimes. Yeah, life is going to feel like it's hammering down on you. But as the physical body feels like it's dying, the spiritual body is being renewed every single day. I love this. Physically, we're weakening. Spiritually, we're growing. And you got to understand that whatever you're going through, the heartache right now, you weren't stoned and left for dead, walked out of town. You're going through something hard. But Paul says, in the midst of our physical bodies feeling like they're dying, our spirits are being renewed every single day. 1 Peter 5.10 says this, In his kindness, God called you to share in his eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. So after you have suffered a little while, somebody say little while. Because when you're in pain and you're suffering, you're praying, God, please let this be just a little while. This is one of my greatest verses when I'm going through hard times. I turn to this, this verse in 1 Peter, and I have it underlined, circled, highlighted in my Bible, and I hold on to that promise. God, you said it's only going to be a little while. And after I have suffered a little while, look what it says. Here's a promise to us. He will restore, support, and strengthen you, and he will place you on a firm foundation. You know what that tells me? Carl, hold on. It will get better. Hold on. It will get better. God is promising it's going to look better, but here's what we need to do. Don't look at the path you're on, but look at where the path is leading you. Don't look at the road that you're on, but look at the destination because God has a greater glory for you. You're going to get through. After you suffered a little while, he's going to restore you. He's going to support you. He's going to strengthen you, and he's going to put you on a firm foundation. But sometimes you just got to put one foot in front of the other and hold on and keep walking on that path. Don't focus on the path. Focus on where that path is leading to you. I, I was talking with Trevor the other day and Tom. We were talking about surfing. We are talking about this spot that we like to surf called Crouching Lion. Do you guys know where that is, where the Crouching Lion is out on the, on the east side over here? And the spot is a reef break that's about a quarter of a mile out there. It's way out there. It's a far paddle. And sometimes you got to paddle through this really deep, sharky channel that's out there. In fact, one of our friends actually got bitten by a tiger shark out there a few years back. It's literally, I promise you, it's on Shark Week. It's on Discovery Channel. It's called Day of the Shark 3, and it filmed him, and it filmed Hope Chapel and everything. He gave his testimony. But we have this love-hate affair with this spot called Crouching Lions because it's such a good wave, but you have to paddle out in sharky waters, and sometimes if you're caught on the inside, you have to keep going through all these waves. And Trevor says, I love that spot, but I hate it. Because when you're stuck on the inside, you just keep having to go under all these waves to get there. And it feels like you're not moving, but you just keep paddling because you see that if you make it out there, the waves are so good. And there's not many people on it. And so it's this, this paddle. And it's kind of like this thing that Paul is saying is, you know what? As you're on this journey, look to the destination. Look to those waves that you so desperately want to surf. Don't look down at the deep channel that you're in right now that there might be sharks swimming in. Don't look at the fact that the waves keep crashing on your head and you can't seem to make any movement to get there. He's basically saying, don't turn around. Don't focus on the circumstances. Focus on the Savior. Focus on the fact that Jesus is on the other side waiting to strengthen you, to support you, and to set you on a firm foundation. And you're going to get through this hard time that you're in right now. 
but stop focusing on circumstances and look to the other side. Don't focus on the path. Focus on that destination. In fact, um, we need to see things the way God sees them because God's perspective is he totally sees the destination we're trying to get to. He knows we're going to get that, but we need to focus our eyes on that. Sometimes I like to say we put on the God goggles. I think we need to put on the God binoculars because we need to see things far away that we can't see up close. And, and right now there's things in our life we're going, I'm never going to get through this thing. That's because our vision is too short-sighted. But when you allow God to put the Holy Spirit God binoculars on, you get to see far away the other end. You're going to make it to the other side. You're going to get through this thing. But here's an, here's an interesting thing about never giving up. I don't want to preach to you guys a message tonight that is rah, 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 you're going to come out of this swinging like the awesome warrior and you're going to get through and you're just going to praise God and be, be victorious. Because there's a verse in scripture that says a little bit different picture. And this is what I want the message to be tonight. Ephesians 6.3 says this, Therefore put on every piece of God's armor so you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. And here's the, the verse that talks about never giving up. Then, after the battle, you will still be standing firm. I did a lot of study on this verse because I really wanted to know what it meant. Because I like that verse that says, if you hold on to God, that after the battle's done, whatever hardship you're going through right now, you're still going to be standing firm. Literally, as I studied the term here in the original language, it doesn't really mean standing firm. The NLT version puts the firm in there. If you have a different Bible version, it probably just says, you will still be standing and really, the picture here is this, because I did a lot of homework on this, and I studied it. It's a picture of standing in defense, not standing in victory. You guys realize that there's a difference there? See, standing in victory, Paul, Paul would be telling us this. Hey, you're going to go through some rough, rough stuff, and life's going to suck at times. It's going to be really hard, but you're going to come out of it just like a champion, right? Like Rocky running up the stairs. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, right, Awesome. And he's not saying that because, you know what, to be honest with you, when I'm going through hard times, that's not what I want to hear. And sometimes I feel like I barely got through that thing just with my life intact. You guys know what I'm talking about? And I think that there's a place for that in the kingdom of heaven. I think that this verse right here is really saying that when your, your warfare is over, when the hardship is over, when the dust is settled, you may be wounded, you may be bleeding, you may be crying, you may be barely able to stand on your feet, but literally the word here is that you just, you're there, that you're just standing, that you would just be there. It's not talking about the conquering victory of standing. It's just saying you survive to fight another day. How many of you guys can relate to that? Because there's places where we talk about standing in victory, but I think what Paul is saying is sometimes, guys, it's enough just to still be standing, just to be hanging on to God by a thread but praise God that you're, ha that you're hanging on. Praise God that he's still there and that you're still able to. It's not the conquering. And to me, this speaks to my heart because I go through hard things sometimes and I feel like, God, I'm, I'm barely able to do this thing and I'm barely still here. And God goes, but you are here. But you made it. But you have held on in that relationship so long and you're still there and that's good. Because after you're in that place for a little while, I'm going to strengthen you. Because after you've suffered, then comes the strengthening, the support, and putting you on the firm foundation. So basically in any battle, in any fight, when it's, whether it's UFC wrestling, whether it's boxing, whether it's man-on-man, hand-to-hand combat, whatever, the winner basically is the last person standing, isn't it? And they may be really wounded and beat up, and you have all kinds of scars, but even those scars are a good thing, right? We talked about that. Those are good times when God says, I got you through it, and you survived. 
And the message I want to preach to you tonight, and I, I hope you're catching with me, is that just to be standing is a good thing. So don't feel bad if you just barely made it through. God is proud of you, and he's going to build you stronger, and it's going to get better. Um, I wanted to read you guys a, a letter of an email I just got, because I think in talking about this, Jesus has got to be our ultimate example. If we're coming back to simply Jesus, here's what I want you to remember about Jesus. This is interesting. Before the, the night of his arrest and trial and crucifixion and all of that stuff, remember Jesus went to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray? Do you remember what part of his prayer was? Father, if there's any way that you can take this cup of suffering from me, that would be cool. But ultimately, I submit your will be done, not my own. But do you realize that Jesus in all of his humanness and his honesty and his raw realness even asked, God, you put me in this human body, it's hard. It's painful. I'm not too excited about having to go through what I know I'm about to go through. If there's any way you can make that not happen, that would be nice. But ultimately, God, I'm holding on to you. Do you realize that as Jesus, as our ultimate example, that there's no shame in the game when you're going, God, I barely held on to you, but I did hold on to you. Do you guys see that? That's the son of God's example that he's going, this is going to be hard. If there's a way out of this, let it be. I'm barely holding on here but God, I am holding on and I'm going to go through with this because you commanded that. Isn't that an amazing thing to realize that Jesus himself kind of was going, man, this is really hard and he asked for a way out. But when we hold on, God comes through. Can I read you guys an email that I got this week that talks about this? Having the strength to believe in God and expect more even when things are rough. Here's the, the message that we got this past week. It says, it was entitled the subject, Marital Problems. It says, to whom it may concern. Last month, I submitted a prayer request about my marriage. My wife had told me she didn't know if she could ever love me again and told me she wanted a legal separation. My world was in shambles. I'm still fairly new to Hope Chapel, but the pastor who spoke this past Sunday really got to me. I guess that was me because I spoke last Sunday. He said, one thing that really stood out was when he, he said we should pray big. So that night while kneeling at the end of my bed in my room, I prayed to God for a miracle. I prayed for him to somehow intervene and help me get my marriage back on track where my wife could find that love for me again. At this point, my wife and I were surely headed for a divorce, and that was not something that I wanted, which brings me to today. Today, I received a text message from my wife stating that she is deeply sorry for the hurt she's caused over the past two months. She's also realized how this would drastically change mine, hers, and our kids' lives forever. She remembered the vows we took when we got married. Long story short, she said she wants to figure these things out together if I would still have her as a wife. I realize today the awesome power of God and the power of prayer. So I'd like to thank you all for everything you are doing. All of you are really putting good things out into the world and helping people open their eyes to all of God's glory. Thank you for everything you do. Isn't that good? All that to say, guys, it's worth holding on. Even when you're barely standing and you're just standing in defense, it is worth holding on to God in every situation in life. I want to end with Hebrews 12, verses 1 to 3. It's in the message version. I love the way that it says this. It says this. Do you see what this means? All these pioneers of the faith who blazed the way, all these veterans cheering us on, it means we better get on with it. Strip down, start running, and never quit. No extra spiritual fat, no parasitic sins. And here's the message. Keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished this race we're in. Study how he did it because he never lost sight of where he was headed, that exhilarating finish in and with God. 
He could put up with anything along the way. The cross, shame, whatever. And now he's there in the place of honor right alongside God. When you find yourselves flagging in your faith, go over that story again, item by item. That long litany of hostility that he plowed through, that will shoot adrenaline into your souls. How many of you guys, when you're hurting, you want to take a shot of something? And a shot of adrenaline would be better than anything. And so what it's saying here is, fix your eyes on Jesus and don't lose sight of what lies ahead. And when you study what he did for you, that's going to shoot adrenaline into your souls to be hanging on to when the battle's all said and done, you're still standing. And after you're standing and you suffered a little while, he's going to strengthen you, he's going to support you, he's going to restore you, and he's going to set you on a firm foundation. Is that a good word tonight? Um, I want us to pray. And I want us to pray, and I want to pray two things tonight. Number one, I want to say a prayer for anybody that is not in a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the only thing we've got to offer you here at church. Sorry. That's all we got. That's the best thing in the world that we got to offer you is a relationship with Jesus Christ. And if you're not in one right now and you don't know him and all he could do in your life, I'm going to say a prayer that would allow you to make this prayer your prayer to him in your heart to, to start you in a relationship with God. Because after that, I want to pray a prayer for anyone and everyone in this room that is going through a hard time right now where you're having a hard time holding on to God and what he's called you to, and you're considering giving up, I want to strengthen you in prayer, prayer over you. But I believe I can't pray that prayer for God to intervene in your life unless you first have a relationship with God in your life. Does that make sense? So we're going to pray two prayers right now. So if you guys would join me in prayer, we're going to pray those prayers. God, number one, first of all, we're here tonight. We come before you. We thank you for the word. We thank you that it's a clear sobering, simple word. It's not a fun, necessarily a, a feisty message that's going to just cheer us on and make us feel good as conquering warriors. It's just one that says, trust you, hold on. You're going to get us through, through this situation, and it's going to get better. And we believe that, God. And there's some of us here right now tonight, Lord, that don't even know you in the first place, so we, we can't even have a hope of that. So, Lord, what I want to offer right now is a prayer that would bring people into a relationship with you, a simple prayer, basically, where if you're in this room right now, you could just say, Jesus, I need you. I want you in my life. I want to follow you. And the rest is up to you. You're going to change me. And that's a prayer that you'd like to pray to really become a follower of Jesus Christ, a Christian right now, to be able to experience all that he could do in your life to help you get through those impossible situations in life. Then I want to say a prayer with you and lead you in that prayer. Here's how we're going to do it. I'm going to pray the words out loud with you and for you. And I'm just going to ask that you would agree with me the words that you're praying in your heart because God sees your heart your decision, he judges you on your heart. After service, you can go and be accountable and tell people that you prayed that prayer. Let them know proudly that you became a Christian here tonight. But first of all, it's got to start in the heart where you do business with God. So I'm going to lead you in a prayer right now for you to do that business with God and to enter into an eternal relationship with him. But how we're going to do that is I'm going to say that prayer, but I want to know who's praying with me. And everybody seated around you, they have their eyes closed and their, and their heads bowed. But if you would like to make Jesus the Lord of your life, I'm going to count to three. When I count to three, I'm just going to ask that you would raise your hand to let me know that we're going to pray that prayer here together and God will change your life. So on three, if you would just let me know, Pastor, I'm praying that prayer with you right now and you just raise your hand boldly when I count to three, then we'll pray that prayer. You're ready? One, two, and three. Just lift your hands and I want to see those hands. I see one right here. I see two. I'm looking around. Three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. 10, 11 hands in the audience tonight. Thank you, God. That's amazing. And um, we're just going to pray together, those of you that raised your hands. God, um, here's our prayer. 
Lord, we're here tonight, and we realize that you are real, that you are good, and that you've got a better plan for our lives. We realize that, Lord, you're the only one that can help us through the impossible situations that we want to give up on. We want to give up on life. We want to give up on circumstances and people. And, Lord, we're basically saying yes to you and you in our lives and your power and your control in our lives so that we wouldn't give up, so that we could have you to hold on to in all those hard times. So, Lord, take our hearts right now. We believe that your son Jesus died on the cross to pay for our sins. And so, Lord, we accept that payment. We accept the fact that you rose from the grave to conquer all those sins in our lives and make available to you a relationship with God the Father for us and you and the power of your Holy Spirit in our lives. So, God, we're telling you from this day forward, we choose you, we will follow you, we will chase after you, we will get a Bible and read it, we will learn to pray, we will stay committed to a church body that can encourage us, we'll get water baptized to symbolize what you're doing in our lives. Lord, we invite your Holy Spirit into our lives for life-changing power. Lord, we want all of who you are in us. We choose you from this day forward. So, Father God, thank you for hearing our cry. Thank you for answering us, and thank you for allowing us into your kingdom. We look forward to what you're going to do in our lives. And now the second prayer. We praise God for those people that just prayed that are in the family, but here's the second prayer. Take this seriously. If you're in need of a situation right now where you feel like giving up and you're needing the strength to endure, to hold on to God, to barely come out of this one alive, but to know that you did get through it because God is a good God in your life and you need his strength and you need his power to get on to fight another day. If that's you, I'm going to ask you to do something bold right now because it's all about standing. I'm going to ask you right now to stand where you're at as we pray this prayer. If you're going through something and you're going, God, I need to come out of this thing standing up in your strength, I want you to stand to your feet right now. God, my marriage, God, my job, God, this relationship with my kids or with my friends or a difficult situation at work or whatever's going on, you need to stand right now and you need God's power to help you stand to get through this thing. There is no shame in asking the God of all creation to help you in where you're at right now. Good, I see people standing all around the room. I want to say a prayer over you right now and with you. If you guys would just bow your heads with me and just receive this prayer as I pray it over you, Father. We're going to pray this prayer for your people. In fact, I want you just to pray this with me, if you guys would. Join with me in just even verbalizing this. God, I'm here before you right now. God, and I need some help. God, I'm not ashamed to call on you for help right now. God, I need the strength to get through this problem that I'm facing. Lord, I'm asking for your Holy Spirit to give me endurance. Lord, I commit to you right now that I'm going to hold on to you no matter what. And Lord, I look forward to the fact that I'm going to be standing. And that, Lord, I might have to suffer for a little while. but I believe that you're going to restore me. You're going to strengthen me. You're going to support me. And you're going to set me on a firm foundation. Help me to live this prayer out. Thank you for being my God and what you're about to do in my life. And in Jesus' name, the church said, amen. Let's praise God for him tonight and all those salvations. Praise God.